A lot of the work we're doing with the Grid Investment Program is about replacing aging assets and strengthening our grid for those blue sky days as well. So a lot of smart technologies being implemented so that when outages do occur, we're able to isolate and restore faster. Welcome to Electric Perspectives, a podcast that explores how America's electric companies are working to deliver the reliable, affordable, secure, and clean energy that powers our economy and our everyday lives. The show is brought to you by EEI, the Edison Electric Institute, which represents all U.S. investor-owned electric companies. I'm your host, Brian Real. Before we get started, I'm thrilled to share that Bill Gates will be the opening keynote speaker at EEI 2023, our annual thought leadership forum. And we're honored to also be joined by U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm as a keynote speaker. EEI 2023 will take place June 11th through 13th at the JW Marriott Austin. Our keynote and breakout sessions will focus on the investments, technologies, pathways, tools, and partnerships needed to continue the clean energy transformation that America's electric companies are leading. Visit EEI.org to register. Now, let's get started with the show. EEI's member companies make significant investments to enhance the energy grid every year. Today, we're going to explore just one of many grid improvement projects that are underway to ensure electric companies can continue to deliver reliable and resilient clean energy to customers now and in the years to come. We are joined by Georgia Power Vice President of Strategy and Support, Cleve Fan, and Pike Electric President, Matt Fisher, who will dive into the details of Georgia Power's grid improvement plan. We'll hear about some specific projects underway and we'll learn about how they are benefiting customers. This episode is sponsored by Pike Electric, the company that is providing engineering and construction services to help make Georgia Power's grid improvement plan a reality. Cleve and Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Cleve, can you give us some basics of the investments being made to enhance the energy grid? And how much is Georgia Power investing in the project? And really, how many customers do you think will be a benefit from these upgrades? Sure. Yeah. So the grid investment program at Georgia Power is really about investing in uh, our power grid and making it stronger and more resilient, both on the transmission system and the distribution system, reducing the number and length uh, of power outages that our customers experience. So for transmission, that's investments like replacing structures and conductor or aging substation equipment. For distribution, that's things like uh, putting facilities underground or adding sectionalizing equipment, improving the basic impulse level of the facilities that are overhead. That started in 2020, and we invested uh, $1.5 billion from 2020 through 2022, went through our rate case cycle. Our next kind of three-year window is 2023 through 2025, and we'll be investing over $1.3 billion improving reliability. The customer touch, that's a great question, that first window impacted over 160,000 Georgia Power customers improving reliability. And then this next three-year window will impact an additional 380,000 customers. So really excited about this work we're doing explicitly for improving service to our customers, improving reliability and resiliency, and touching over half a million customers in the first six years. 
And is that really all customers, obviously residential, but you also serve some critical ports and military. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, that impacts commercial, industrial and residential customers for sure. So when did your team start to discuss putting together a grid investment plan of this scope and what sort of factors were considered when trying to determine the types of investments that you could make? Yeah. So the, our team began working on the strategy in 2018 and really tried to pinpoint the investments to the locations where we had challenges with reliability, where we had data pointing to the need for investment based on historical service levels, data telling us what kinds of investments really moved the needle the most for reliability. So, you know, if you think about high traffic areas where we've had outages due to uh, vehicle incidents, you know, are there places we can target undergrounding? You know, if, if we've had a number of outages that we think are due to lightning or spacing, can we do some improvements to the sectionalizing or the insulation hardware to improve reliability? But that's been a, a process when you think about ramping up uh, our investment to the scale we did and across the state, it took some significant upfront planning and great partners really with folks like Pike and our other contract partners that are helping us execute this program. It is over and above what our typical power delivery teams have addressed over the last you know several years. So it's an incremental workforce to help us execute these these projects. Um, and that's really where Matt and his team have been a huge help. Folks like Quana and Burns and McDonald and others that have that have been there as well, helping us execute this program. So Matt, for listeners who may not be familiar with Pike, can you give us a kind of quick description of the types of services and specialty work your team does and like kind of what, like really across the country, are you in multiple states doing this sort of work? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, Pike's, we've been in business for about 80 years. And um, we were started as a small distribution construction contractor by the grandfather of Eric Pike, who's our current chairman. We've grown and diversified through our history, but really in the past 15 years, we've really started to get involved in more and more of these programs. We've, we have an engineering entity that uh, can operate in really 49 states and uh, it does everything from planning and siting to permit and easement acquisition, transmission, distribution, substation, engineering work. On the construction side, we do transmission, distribution, both underground and overhead work. We build substations. We're known as a major storm recovery contractor. We have a vegetation and right-of-way company now called Burford's Construction. I work in the telecom and renewable space on the EV charging stations and battery storage systems. And uh, we do some fiber and small cell work. So we have the spectrum and it's programs like this that are really kind of starting to put it all together. Programs like Cleve's talking about here where we, we do the engineering and the construction and take on kind of a program management role in some situations. We kind of wrap up all of our capabilities to do these types of projects where, as Cleve mentioned, it's kind of over and above what the traditional role of the contractor has been. And so we're excited to do it. We've, and we're doing it for multiple utilities in the U.S. And I know we're all accustomed to seeing the, the Georgia power trucks and the Pike trucks during major hurricane and other storm responses. But you all certainly do uh, this type of incredible work all year round. 
So working with, or Pike's working with Georgia Power on this multi-year initiative, can you, I know Cleve kind of gave some general overview, but can you talk a little bit, Matt, about the types of transmission and distribution upgrades that your teams are working on and kind of how critical they really are to this particular grid investment plan? Yeah, so it's, you know, Cleve mentioned quite a bit of it on the sectionalizing, but um, we're doing a lot of structure hardening. We're doing a lot of creating loops. We're doing a lot of undergrounding. You know, it's kind of a wide range of things, and Cleve can maybe speak to a little bit more, but you know, we're put, adding some smart grid devices into the system. We're, we're just really doing a lot of work to just help improve the resiliency and um, just throughout the system. And w- whether it's you know Georgia Power, which is, they're doing a really comprehensive program here, which is fantastic. Yeah, and I'll, I'll jump in there too, Matt. So, you know, you mentioned, Brian, the storm work we do and that Pike's done for and Georgia Power and, uh, you know, proud of that for sure. A lot of the work we're doing with the grid investment program is about replacing aging assets and strengthening our grid for those blue sky days as well. So a lot of smart technologies being implemented so that when outages do occur, we're able to isolate and restore faster, hopefully prevent them from occurring in the first place with some of the, you know, the sectionalizing and BIL type work we're talking about doing. And then adding connections to our grid that give us more opportunities to reroute when there is a problem. Uh, All of that makes our grid stronger and more resilient. So in addition to the physically stronger infrastructure, it's some of that smart energy infrastructure that's kind of helping you just optimize the distribution system so you can avoid some of those outages altogether. Absolutely. And we know resilience is, is really hyper-local. And in Georgia, obviously, you are exposed to the Atlantic hurricane seasons, but you also get some pretty nasty summer storms. And you tend to, to unfortunately, see a lot of tornadoes as well. Do you have to design programs kind of specific to each of those types of threats? Yeah, g- good question. And yeah, we're ramping up for hurricane season right now. Um, it's not even the official start of the season, and there's already a threat off the uh, East Coast you know, hopefully just stays mild over there. But you know, in terms of planning for tornadoes, that you know, it, that is so. There's nothing that we can install that withstands uh, tornadic activity, for example. So, really trying to make sure that when things like that do occur, we're able to isolate quickly and restore as much as possible, so that we can get our crews and our partner crews in route, you know, once the storm passes from a afternoon thunderstorm uh, activity. We see a ton of that in Georgia. I mentioned lightning earlier. We've got significant tree cover in Georgia. So we deal with a lot of outages related to those those thunderstorms and all of the work we're doing, whether it's undergrounding or the, the overhead work we're doing, improves our ability to ride through those storms and minimize outages. So that, that is certainly a, a focus and the reliability data that we've collected and used to implement the solutions, you know, it, it takes into consideration those outages driven by storms in the past. And Matt, through your work in Georgia and your team's work in other places as well, have you seen benefits or are there clear insights on kind of why electric companies should be making these enhancing and harding investments? Or are you seeing them paying dividends? Well, I mean, yes, from what we hear, I mean, look, it's working and that's why more and more utilities are going down this path. I mean, you have a lot of factors, housing growth, electric vehicle growth, 
renewables coming online that are driving a lot of this in addition to just some of the aging infrastructure that's already out there. And then you talk about the storms. They're becoming more intense, potentially more frequent. More and more people live by the coast. So all these things and resiliency is critical. And so the investment program that Georgia Power is doing, and not, just, not only that, everything's electric now, right? So, you know, our, the cell phones we have, the vehicles we have, when the power's out, it creates a real problem. And so it's becoming much more important, you know? And so I think, and the programs are working from what I've seen and some of the data that we've seen. And so that it really proves its case that um, it's worthwhile to make the investments. So going back to this particular project, I think I had read that you're looking or already maybe have undergrounded about 345 miles of power lines. So Cleve, can you talk a little bit about, maybe check my math there, but then also just talk about what kind of benefits that delivers and maybe a little bit about how that's a tool in the toolbox. I imagine not every location is suitable for an undergrounded solution, but what kind of factors are, are you weighing? I know cost is probably a piece of that, but what really goes into you identifying how opportunities to underground to enhance resilience? Yeah. Yeah. I think the the number 345 plus miles have been undergrounded. That That's close. Um, and you're right. It Underground isn't a solution everywhere. Where it is a good solution, though, it's very effective. And we've seen significant reliability improvements to the tune of 50-ish percent um, safety and safety type results or, or reductions for the areas that we've undergrounded. You know, they're they're less vulnerable to the storms we were just talking about, to winds, but there's challenges with dig-ins. Matt mentioned the economic growth in the Southeast. Uh, Georgia is booming. Um, so we've, we're constantly dealing with uh, the threat of dig-ins and things like that. Another real challenge, if you're going to go take an existing overhead system and put it underground, dealing with property owners successfully so that they understand the value of what we're trying to do and acquire the property needed to set things like switching cubicles and transformers, you know, on an easement acquired from these property owners. That's that is a can be a challenging uh, undertaking depending on how much space exists, you know, in that area. We've done a great job, I think, with our stakeholder engagement practices, working with our customers and communities. But that is that can be something that an area where we'd love to put facilities underground, we just may not have enough space to physically do it. And Matt, for your crews who are doing some of this work, can you explain kind of what the process of undergrounding power lines is and maybe what sort of equipment is being used? And I know across the country, there's a lot of places, whether it's mitigating wildfire risk or otherwise, are looking at undergrounding solutions. So has that technology evolved in recent years? Yeah. So, so let me, before you do that, before I go into that detail, um, let me back up a little bit because we're really, this program is really a turnkey model. So we're, we're doing this really from almost soup to nuts on this thing. You know, in Georgia power situation, they identify a circuit, whether it's going to be undergrounded or um, solidified and made more resilient through an overhead solution. Our engineering team looks at kind of the most efficient, the least disruptive design. You know, for example, we're going to move the power source from the street side or to the back lot or vice versa. Georgia Power will review the designs, make sure that it meets their standards for redundancy and efficiency. Then we go talk to the homeowners. I mean, this is, you're talking about, again, about the electricity, which is so important. So we've worked together to talk to the homeowners, make sure they understand what's happening, we'll acquire the easements if needed, um, acquire permits from the city or county. I mean, and all that's before you even start, right? So then as Cleve, as Cleve talked about, and that takes months, really. So then as Cleve talked about, you, 
one of the most important things is trying to figure out what else is already in the ground before you put that first shovel in the ground. And you engage traffic control, you get everything marked the best you can, you ensure the overhead, the existing overhead is secure, and then you start burying the power lines. It's whether it's trenching, which we've all seen, or whether it's a directional boring machine, which you everyone sees, there's some pretty new or pretty unique technologies, it's just like a missile type thing that's remote controlled that can just go under the ground. So there's some kind of some unique things, but you got to find the right piece, right piece of equipment for each situation. And we employ all of them as we're doing some of these things. And if there's rock, that just brings a whole another situation uh, into the equation. So once you get everything kind of in place, you put the transformers in and put in any smart grid equipment that's needed, make sure the communications are all set up and notify the customer again that you're, we're going to do the cutover. So there's where there could be an outage. And then uh, at the end of the day, you cut it over and you tear out the overhead lines if you can. Sometimes you can't completely remove the poles because there might be communications on there, whether it's from a fiber optic company or a uh, telephone communication or something like that. So we do all this and all the while we're keeping Georgia Power in the loop, forming them the dates, expectations, so they can manage the expectations with their customers as we go through this. I mean, talked about the 345 plus or minus miles, you know, through this project, we've had, you know, over 600 people working on this program through program management, engineering, construction, engaging with Georgia Power. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work and it's been it's been a really good experience for Pike. It's been a good learning experience for all of us working together. And it's been, I think it's been really successful because Cleve mentioned some of the um, safety and safety statistics. So we're really proud of it and um, excited to keep going on it. Yeah, and I, just to add there, Matt, I mean, it's been successful for our customers too, right? I mean, that That's right. we make a commitment to deliver safe, clean, affordable, reliable energy to our customers and the work y'all have done uh, other partners have done have really set us up to do that even better. So thank you. Yeah. And it does sound like the community engagement and coordination with telecoms and, and other folks is really kind of that critical piece at the front side of these projects. It is. Yeah. And Matt did a great job talking through all the, the work that has to go into a program like this or an undergrounding project specifically uh, before you ever put any wire in the ground or, or equipment on the ground. Yeah. You know, work closely with our other utilities in, in Georgia and make sure they're aware of what our plans are. And, you know, that they may not have the same, it, this isn't an aesthetics program, right? This is a program about improving the reliability and resiliency of our grid. So they're, they may not have the same priorities or objectives, but we do our best to make sure they're aware of, of where we're going and why we're going there and, and look for opportunities for things like joint trench and beautification where it makes sense. And Cleve, I know we touched about it a little bit earlier on, but for some of the smart grid devices that you you did mention that are being in, installed along the way, can you talk a little bit more specifically or, or more generally, I should say, about how those work? Are these things that are automatic? Are these things that somebody in a control room can open and close circuits? Kind of what what functionality do these, these yeah. investments offer to system operators? Yeah, great question, Ryan. And, and it's both, right? It, it's devices that have communication capability. So, you know, we've got devices that we've used on our system in our service, ter ser service territory across Southern for years and years um, where, you know, there's automatic isolation and restoration coordinated through the communication infrastructure, whether that's through our Southern Link subsidiary or fiber radio signal where our operators can monitor open and close devices to reroute power flow. It's really about preventing power outages and when those interruptions occur, helping us restore power faster. 
And we know that reliability is top of mind for our industry, and really our customers are more dependent on electricity than ever before, as uh, Cleveview kind of outlined before. And, and really the focus of this project is improving reliability to really shorten the length of power outages when they do occur. Um, like you said, with tornadoes, there, there are some things that you just can't invest to prevent Mother Nature is going to do what Mother Nature is going to do. Maybe, Matt, when you step back, have you seen larger demand from electric companies to undergrow similar projects, just knowing the uptick we've seen in extreme weather events and whether it's wildfires or derechos or, or otherwise, I guess, long way of saying, have you seen other companies kind of pursuing these sort of opportunities to enhance resilience? Yeah, Brian, that's a, a great question. Yes. The answer is yes. You're, we're seeing these projects throughout the industry that we work with and even some that we don't work with, you know, mostly at the investor-owned utilities, but even at some co-ops and municipalities that we work for. All the programs are a little different. And as Cleve said, some of the disasters, you're not going to be able to prevent the outage, but it really comes back to how quickly can you restore. So you're seeing um, situations where some are focusing on hardening overhead distribution poles, because if the wire is knocked down, it's much easier to get and much quicker to get power restored if you don't have to re put a new pole in the ground or even a series of pole if it, you get a domino effect. Others are focusing on, you know, building transmission loops for redundancy, like we talked about. And some are focusing on an underground. It's kind of a wide range, but they're all focused on resiliency and upgrades, regardless of really where they are in the U.S. And I think as more projects, we've talked about it, as more get completed, we're seeing positive results from you know, everyday work and storm situations. And, and, and then the positive results just drive more of these projects, I think, and, and validate the investment. So the Public Service Commission can, you know, they, it's easier to persuade the Public Service Commissions that these are important when you can show the data that they work. So we're seeing that. I mean, we, we've even had situations, and this is speaking from a Pike perspective, where uh, we've been asked to put the reports together to go present to the Public Service Commissions and testify on behalf of some of these smaller utilities. So it really truly is, we have done this kind of soup to nuts turnkey solution where we give the presentation, commission says go, we do some engineering, we do some construction, and it's truly turnkey. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it and it's not a short-term program, but we've seen them be very successful thus far. Well, this certainly has been a timely discussion as the official start of hurricane season is June 1st. So really, thank you both for joining us today for the work you and your teams are doing every day to enhance the reliability and resilience of America's energy grid. Great, thank you, Brian. Thanks for having us. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and come back next week to hear more from experts and industry leaders who are talking about the innovative ways electric companies are building a cleaner, smarter, stronger energy future for the customers and communities they serve. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Electric Perspectives. I'm your host, Brian Real. Thanks for listening.